Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, April 12th, 2021. It has been 179 days since 20 nominations were announced. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we have a very big announcement. At the end of this episode of Today on Broadway, y'all need to stick around, even after the music, the end music plays, because there will be some exciting news about a new Broadway radio show from the legendary Jan Simpson, which will launch exclusively on Patreon this coming Saturday, before it is available to everyone in the regular feed, not on Sunday, but in June. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear the great Jan Simpson talking. And you should. And you should. We've done a, we've done a, a show with her before. That yes, was fun. That was really um, fun. If you want to hear her talk about Pulitzer Prize winning plays as the brilliant genius that she is, get on the Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. And you will only be able to get it on Patreon for like two and a half months, which is a long time. And uh, this is definitely the incentive you need to get over to Patreon. Another an incentive that you might need, you might not know right now, if you have not uh, listened to This Week on Broadway in your Patreon feed, that Julie Halston on This Week on Broadway kind of broke some news that I have not seen oh. anywhere else. She let slip, I mean, not let slip, she like went in depth about it, um, about the fact that this coming week she is going to be starting rehearsals for a production of Terrence McNally's uh, It's Only a Play, which was on Broadway a few mm-hmm. years ago with a ton of stars. Yes. Uh, Kevin Cahoon, who's an actor, is actually going to be directing it. Um, it's going to co-star. She only mentioned a few names, Anne Harada, Andy Gratolution. Uh, but she said it's a star-studded cast. And what they're doing is they're actually rehearsing on Zoom for a week. Then they're going into a studio, 42nd Street Studio, she said, um, to continue the rehearsal process. Then they're going to the uh, George Street Playhouse. I think that's the, the theater that she said. Um where they will then be doing the show on a full set and it will be filmed and available to stream. So very cool news there. Exciting. Yeah. Some, some hot news coming on this week on Broadway. Some hot Um, goss, some hot goss. Also the last time Jason Robert Brown was on the show, he let slip that he was doing the Mr. Saturday night show, which was not announced for like six months after the fact. So, you mm-hmm. need to be getting on the Patreon to hear these uh, episodes of This Week on Broadway as soon as they come out. Um, Ashley, that was our normal Hi. banter time, so we need to move Hi. on. But real quick, you started the TED last <laughs> It was That's what I thought your big news is going to be <laughs> at the top. No, no. Yeah, no, no. I did I did start the TED Lasso. It's it's everything you said it is. Okay, good. It's, I'm glad that you're... It's excellent. Watch TED Lasso. It's a joy machine. It absolutely is. All right, Ashley, um, we're going to do the show a little bit differently today. The first half of the show is going to be the news. The second half of the show, you and I are going to get into a little bit of a discussion about some mm. of the things that are going on surrounding the uh, the Scott Rudin expose. I'm Who? putting expose in quotes because, like, it's only an expose usually if it's something that we didn't know already. And you and I have been <laughs> sure. talking about this For on this show pretty much since the day years. you got on here. Yeah, yeah. We, James that. and I talked about it before you got here, <laughs> yeah. too. So this is not necessarily an expose in those terms. But Yeah, that was my first show. I came on, introduced myself, I, and said, screw you, Scott Rudin. Yeah, I would not be surprised. Um, anyway... Let's start with the news first. On Thursday, just hours after after the Small Business Administration opened applications for its new shuttered venue operators grant program, 
they shut them down. Apparently, the portal where business operators could apply for the financial assistance was experiencing substantial technical difficulties, <sighs> and they just closed up shop uh, reminiscent of the old Obamacare rollout in the first year of that. A new date for the program's application process has not yet been announced, but the SBA did say that they would be providing advanced notice before the portal reopens at some point in the future. Now, through this program, Broadway Productions and theater owners could receive up to $10 million in government assistance apiece. The SBA has a little more than $16 billion, that's with a B, to distribute, and it's estimated that 30,000 applicants, give or take, will receive funding. Now, the reason that the shutdown and then the advanced notice before relaunch is important is because applications will be considered as they are received. This is not like we have this application process, we'll collect everything and go through them. Once they get them in, they're going to look through them and decide if they get money or not. Now, actually, I hope that a ton of theaters around the country and even commercial productions get a piece of this pie. But you know who I have no interest in seeing getting government money at this point? Uh, Theater owners, because it's in the script. Thank you for reading ahead. Yes, theater owners. (laughs) Um, Now... I mean, you could have played along. I mean, it's not no. like we've been doing this oh, for oh, oh, I'm sorry. a year and a half. Who? It's fine. Who, it's Matt? Fine. It's fine. It's fine. You you already ruined it. Don't 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 patronize me. Um, but you know, this might be like a blind spot for me, and I could just not be thinking about something. But we know that theater owners make money on shows, whether the shows themselves are successful or not. And as, you know, obviously they make it's more true. money if uh, if they are successful, but they still get their cut on flop. You can make more money with a flop than with a hit. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Max Bialystok and uh, <laughs> Leo you. Bloom. Yeah. Um, but we very rarely seen these theater owners put their profits back into their venues before. No, of course. And, and obviously with long running shows, it's tough. I mean, sometimes we see them get new carpets, but they don't. They haven't done the HVAC <laughs> stuff. They haven't <laughs> yeah. increased bathroom sizes. They haven't done yeah. things that have made them more accessible. So – I don't need to see them getting this money. I'm sure they will, but I would rather see the government assistance going to organizations that are, you know, are in need of this money, not to people who swim in vaults of gold coins like their Scrooge McDuck. For sure. You put it very well, all of that. And we, you know, we've been talking about like in terms of post pandemic, what kind of accommodations are going to be made in terms of like, as you mentioned, the HVAC system and air, air filtration, things like that. Unless these theater owners are coming up front and saying this is a thing we're going to do and use the money for then i am absolutely with you but that 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 seems rare that seems very rare can't can't imagine that happening but all right next up ashley last week both the new york post and broadway world uh published articles that were looking at shows attempting to reopen on broadway and discussed the phenomenon of tickets going back on sale with very little fanfare now We already know that Diana is selling tickets. We've discussed that before. Mm -hmm. But apparently, it also appears that Jagged Little Pill and Ain't Too Proud are currently on sale for performances beginning on Tuesday, September 7th. That's the Tuesday following Labor Day. While Chicago is currently on sale beginning August 2nd. In the Broadway World article, article, Kara Joy David noted that earlier this month in April, Mrs. Doubtfire had tickets on sale beginning in June, but those have since been removed from the various ticketing websites. The Music Man is on sale for shows starting on December 20th, assuming the Music Man still happens. Mm. Um, And a lot of other shows have kind of come and gone. Some weeks they'll have them on sale for certain dates, then they'll change. What I think is interesting, Ashley, 
is that other other than Diana, which announced their ticketing uh, announcement to the same press release of their streaming date on Netflix, we've heard really nothing, as far as I can recall, about the other shows. So I have to wonder, right. why is that? Is this just them being optimistic and putting things on sale and hoping they're back by those dates, but they don't want to get ahead of themselves? Or are they trying to get ahead of the game and get on sale and try to get some of that um, that buzz going? Or, as I think um, the Kara Joy David article notes, are they just hoping to start building a bit of an advance? And then if they do mm-hmm. have to change the date, they've got the money in the bank already. And then they can offer exchanges or other perks rather than refunds to those people who have already voluntarily given them their money i mean i think it's a combination of all that but i definitely think it's the latter more than the former because you know mentioning that there are shows that have been on sale that are not publicly advertising that they're on sale that if they were advertising it that would be to drum up you know drum up press about it get people optimistic about it that's not happening if sh- if t- shows are going on sale kind of secretly <laughs> or if they're yeah, sending it the out point? or if they're sending yeah exactly if they're sending it to people who have previously bought tickets of like okay we, you know keep your tickets then that's very different than we're trying to get people into yeah. the theater that's them trying to keep their money that i hadn't thought about that i wonder if they're open to everybody in in general but maybe they are blasting yeah. stuff out to people who had previously purchased tickets and had them refunded. That's yeah. actually a good point that I hadn't thought of and much less cynical than the stuff that I mentioned. So <laughs> what is go. going on with this? You being less cynical. Wow. I'm a realist, not a cynic. Please. It's, cause, it's because <laughs> okay. I stopped. Wa- I, you know, I'm only doing this recording. I had to pause my watch of Ted Lasso. So, so I'm just you're feeling full more of lovely and giving and yeah, charitable because exactly. that show has Until we talk your, about Scott Rudin. And then yeah, we'll get we'll get once there. we get to the Scott Rudin section, sorry, Ted well, Lasso. It's not really about te- it's not really a bit about Scott Rudin that we want to talk about, but <laughs> we'll get true. there. It's true. Uh, the last bit of news, Ashley, is last week it was announced that Connor McPherson's adaptation of uh, Anton Chekhov's Uncle Vanya will premiere in the U.S. as part of PBS's Great Performances on May seventh. This production was filmed last August, August twenty twenty, at the Harold Pinter Theater mm. in London's West End. After the show had been prematurely forced to close. Uh, earlier in the year. Directed by Ian Rickson, the show stars the great Toby Jones, Richard, Richard Armitage, Amy Lou Wood, Dervla Malloy, and more. Now, actually, I've seen The Cherry Orchard. I've seen yep. Three Sisters, but I don't think I've ever seen Uncle Vanya. So I'm looking forward to either. this. Yeah, I don't know that I have either. So I'm excited about that and love that cast. I completely forgot this was a thing that was filmed. So yeah. here we go. Here for yep. it. Yep, looking forward to it. All right, before we get into our discussions surrounding the fallout of the uh, Scott Rudin fiasco, (laughs) we're going to take a real quick break and talk about our sponsor for this week, our good friends over at ExpressVPN. Now, as I I know you all remember this because we've been talking about ExpressVPN for a long time here on Broadway Radio. But just in case you need a refresher, one of the many things that ExpressVPN does is that it allows you to unlock movies and TV shows that are only available on streaming services in other countries. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things that I've heard a lot of people talking about um, in the in the entertainment world right now is how, depending on different contracts on like Disney+, Plus. Things aren't available everywhere. So if you want to watch certain things yeah. on Disney Plus that are only available in the U.S., but you're in Canada, 
this is why you need ExpressVPN. If you have you want to watch something that's not on Disney Plus in the US, but it's on this new platform card called Star in other countries, which is a Disney program oh. that is it like it's like the adult version of Disney Plus that's not here in the US. You can be in the U.S. and watch that stuff with ExpressVPN. That's very interesting. I didn't even, you know, don't even know those things exist. So you have to get on ExpressVPN so you can learn that. What ExpressVPN allows you to do is change your online location so you control where you want sites to think you're located. As I've said before, you know, you're starting to get your vaccines, but you should still be limiting your travel. And ExpressVPN <laughs> allows you to travel all around the world. What you do is open the app, select a location, tap a button to connect, just one button. It's not a complicated process. And then you refresh the page and you have access to thousands of new shows and movies. This works on any streaming service, you know, whether you know about them or not, but from everything from Hulu to Netflix, YouTube, BBC iPlayer, and more. Yeah, what's great about ExpressVPN is that you can stream in HD with no buffering, no lag, and you can use ExpressVPN on all of your devices, phones, tablets, smart TVs, and more. All and of not it. only, and here's the thing, I said that watching things from other countries is one of the things that ExpressVPN does. It also encrypts all of your data and lets you surf the web safely and anonymously. So go to expressvpn.com slash Broadway Radio to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. We love free. Expressvpn.com slash Broadway Radio. All right, Ashley, let's get into this bit of discussion that um, mm. we wanted to talk about. You and Grace discussed the Hollywood Reporter piece about Scott Rudin last week. Yeah. You and I and James and I have discussed our feelings about Scott Rudin literally since the very early days of today yeah. on Broadway. So I don't think we need to get into those very anymore. Very well known. Yeah. yeah. Those are well established. And if you don't know what we're talking about, well find any story related to Rudin in our archives because there are many. <laughs> now. What I did want to talk about is is a really well-reasoned and well-explained mm-hmm. um, point of view that I don't think has been um, really discussed enough in this conversation. And it goes along with something that I've been talking about on social media and here for a long time. One of the things that we've seen is a lot of people are starting to call out, and I'm putting in quotes because who knows what that exactly means, other members of the theater and entertainment industries um, for not being exceptionally vocal about where they stand on Scott Rudin and what he did. Now, I think that there are certain people that should be speaking, um, just like I think a lot of people owe it to fans who have worked with Woody Allen. I think uh, people like Diane Keaton need and Scarlett Johansson and mm-hmm. um, any of the other, I don't want to just name women, but I don't watch Woody Allen movies. So those are the first ones that came to mind. Um, but, you know, I, they need to say something. I would like to see Hugh Jackman uh, say something. I would like to see um, Denzel Washington say something. But the thing is, is I don't think that there you necessarily have to have everybody working in the theater industry come out and condemn Scott Rudin. Because when you are trying to force somebody to do something else, you're not taking into consideration 
their reasons for not doing it. And I've talked about this a lot, like I said, on social media and here, this, these bad faith things, if you're not doing something in good faith. And I stumbled across these two things from two people that I, I know and I respect. The first one is a blog post from Tony winner Daisy Egan, who has a new show on the Obsessed Network, by the way. It is currently in the top mm-hmm. five or six on iTunes charts. It's called Strange and Unexplained with mm-hmm. Daisy Egan. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. Her last episode mm-hmm. was about mm-hmm. haunted Broadway theaters. You should listen to it. It's great. <laughs> anyway, she writes this blog, and I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously, because it's a long thing, but I want to read this passage. And basically, her argument is, yes, for some people who feel comfortable enough, whether financially or just where they are in their career, they should speak out. But not everybody has that comfort. She writes, quote, What I want us to remember is that we are on each other's team. Turning around and pointing the finger at other theater professionals for their lack of public outrage is exactly what the people at the top want us to do. It is no different than being angry at fast food workers for demanding a living living wage or being angry at sex workers for providing a service. The fast food worker is not the problem. The sex worker is not the problem. Your fellow theater professionals are not the problem. Demanding that working professionals put their jobs, security, and health on the line because the culture at the top is toxic is not helping our cause. Mm -hmm. Blaming actors for being complicit is complicity. You are giving a pass to the people who actually make the decisions and directing your ire at the ones who need to work. She goes on to say that if somebody is choosing to remain silent for those reasons, that she would then in turn need them to um, be doing something behind the scenes and not being public about it. She's not saying these people get a pass. Um, but that's something that I, I really think has been missing from this conversation. And it's just like when we get Definitely. mad, Ashley, we lose all empathy and we lose the ability to understand For other sure. people's perspective. And I'm not talking about Scott Rudin's perspective. Fuck Scott Rudin. I'm talking about the other people who are in <gasps> wow. the same boats. And, <laughs> Last one, and I'll let you jump in on this because I want to hear your perspective. Nick Walker, former guest on Tell Me More, he Mm -hmm. tweeted something Mm -hmm. similar, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in part, he wrote, making change and getting likes are not the same. Good for you if you're ready to stand up to evil. Maybe maybe don't shame folks who aren't unless you're going to pay their rent. Performative acts aren't helpful, just performative. So those two people who are much more in tune to the theater community and much more articulate, those two are both incredible writers, um, are saying things that I feel but articulating it much better, Ashley. I think uh, Nick's second point is so important. The don't shame folks unless you're going to pay their rent. Um, who aren't doing it unless you're going to pay their rent is so important. Theater is just a different beast. We're, you know, Daisy had said that Hugh Jackman in her post said that Hugh Jackman isn't going to miss the equity hours, but the ensemble is, the stand-ins are, the dressers are, et cetera. Uh, right. And she, and what, and what she meant was, for Music Man. So like, if he yes, speaks yes, out, yes, yes. he might cost hundreds of people their jobs. Yeah, which is, it's, it's a tricky, tricky, totally tricky, tricky line to walk because I, I think, <laughs> you know, yeah. at a very, at a very base level, I believe that Hugh Jackman should say something because Hugh Jackman has the comfort of being a Hollywood star as well. And, I don't, I don't what, think, and- I don't think Hugh Jackman is not speaking out because he's worried about his ensemble. No. I think Hugh Jackman hangs with the Kushners is not speaking out because he's not speaking out. I think there's a very different line there. And the thing is, if Hugh Jackman said, 
um, screw you, Scott Rudin, and Scott Rudin canceled the Music Man, Scott uh, uh, Hugh Jackman could go then find another producer to He'd do another fine. show, even exactly. if it's not, and then employ those hundred people. So that's absolutely. the thing. It's like, eh, yeah. But I get the points. No, I absolutely get the point. And I, this, this is all. As you said, I think this is the conversation that's been missing from the larger conversation. I think our reaction is to react without empathy. I think we want to go to the people who are the most front facing. And I understand mm-hmm. that instinct. I don't empathize with that instinct because I don't, I, <laughs> I don't have any patience for attacking actors unless they're very clearly being complicit to right. what is happening, which is not the case. These are people who, for one reason or another, and the biggest reason being that we've been in a pandemic for a year, and these people are going to have to come back and have to audition for jobs still. It's not like their jobs are magically back. Exactly. Like, the, this is still a process that they're, they're going to have to do. So it's already not easy. They're going to have to come back. And, and this is not just actors either. These are all jobs in the theater. Um, anyone under, you know, your A-list stars like Hugh Jackman. Everyone is going to have to come back and fight for those jobs, and there's going to be very limited jobs. And there might be even more limitations than we had before because ensemble numbers might be restricted. We don't know all the full equity things that are going to be in place yet once we actually get back to full theater productions. So jobs may be more limited. There may be, you know, more jobs in different scenarios as there could be like COVID supervisors and those Mm -hmm. kind of set people. But that's a whole other conversation. So you already have a limited number of jobs. You have an incredibly difficult process to get these jobs. They're not just magically there. And these are the front facing people. So people are looking at it like, okay, these are the people that need to do the things to do the, to make change. No, they're not because they're not the ones upholding the system. It's, you know, all of the, you know, as Grace and I said, it's the people that have been holding up Scott Rudin and men like him are other producers, um, you know, of the same ilk. And that's the problem. The problem yeah. is not the front facing people that we see. It's the people that are also putting up money and shaking hands with Scott Rudin's at the, par- Scott Rudin at the parties that are all the same people. And we know what people those are. Yeah. I mean, look, the actors and, you know, to a similar degree, the other theater professionals. Sure. They are victims of this as well. They might not be the ones in Scott Rudin's office getting the potato thrown at them, but they are still the ones who have had to deal with a lot of the same types of abuses that we read about in that Hollywood Reporter piece. So I I just think, you know, this is going to be a weird tangent, but... um, during the 2016 election, a lot of people on our side of the aisle actually were very angry at Taylor Swift for not speaking out and not talking about um, the the dangers of Donald Trump or whatever they wanted her to talk about, mm. um, especially as attacks towards uh, LGBTQ people, um, which make up a large portion of her uh, of her fan base. She has since done that. Uh, and started to be very uh, vocal about her beliefs and stuff. And that's awesome. And I applaud her for that. My take at that time was, yes, she is an A-lister. Yes, she can afford to speak her mind. 
But it's not just always about money. It's not always just about reputation. A lot of times it's about comfort. And obviously, Taylor Swift's in a much different situation than a lot of these Broadway people. But I just don't feel comfortable with angry people telling people what they should do. And I think that's kind of my point. It's a bad faith argument to not try to meet individuals where they are. Um, and I hope that as we continue to have these conversations, because we're going to keep having these conversations, uh, Scott Rudin yep. is not going away. Um, as much yep. as a lot of people would like him to, um, he, he is too entrenched. He might become a little bit more quiet and might not do as much, but I can't imagine he's going away. So we're going to keep talking about this, but I just hope that there's a little bit more empathy put into the discussions and, and a little bit more good faith in how we talk about these things. Absolutely. I mean, as Grace reminded us when we were talking about it the other day, he's literally in charge of the pop-up events right now. Like, yeah. he's, he's... And that's be- one of the things, too. Like- he's behind Broadway reopening. Like, it's not... He's not gonna go away anytime soon. And the fact... And as I mentioned, like, this is a big story, and of course, people are in the in the industry are talking about it, but it's people in the industry. Hollywood Reporter is still an insider publication. It's still yeah. a trade publication. So, it's industry people talking about it. It's not, like, as widespread as, like, Harvey Weinstein was, because it became an all entrenching thing. It really, you know, catal- it was a catalyst for the Me Too movement, or you know, a further catalyst for the Me Too movement. It, it touched every aspect. I think. I think it was in Daisy's post where she mentioned, like, this isn't a uh, new. <laughs> this isn't a right. new thing. Like every industry has uh, their the lower the people at the bottom of the totem pole have to kind of just keep their heads down because they work for abusive bosses and it's a matter of it's a matter of their own survival. And, and that's, you bringing that's up not Weinstein a thing that's is, changing. Sorry, you bringing up Weinstein is a perfect illustration about why people don't feel comfortable speaking yeah. out. Look at the women that he abused and what he did to their careers. Uh, if you haven't watched um, the documentary Untouchable on Hulu, like it's to see the women that he basically ruined their careers. That's why people don't speak out. And while Most, it was great yeah. for people to speak out, if people aren't comfortable with that, that's that's another thing. And you know, we we should wrap this up, but. You know, mm-hmm. every night, Lester Holt ends his NBC News broadcast with um, be kind to yourself and each other or something like that. And it's a very Jerry Springer thing. I think he said something very similar at the end of his shows. <laughs> but just like be nice, be considerate of other people. Um, you, there are certain people that don't deserve it. Screw them, you know, treat them how they deserve. But like for the most part, you know, people are just trying to get by and don't. Um, you know, pick fights with them when your real anger is with the people at the top who have the power and ab- and who are abusing it. So that's my two cents for today. My motto is do no harm, but take no shit. I like that. Can I do you have that on a tattoo somewhere? It should be. Should. I'll get I'll add it to the other 5000 that are on my to get list. So there you okay. go. Good. All right. Real quick <laughs> to uh, brighten things up. Um, uh, recommendation for today, a group called the Show Shanties have taken the sea yes. shanty trend yes. and turned their eye towards Hamilton. They have a video that will be in the show notes of them doing a mashup of a bunch of Hamilton songs in that very manly sea shanty vibe. It's awesome. So, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. I yeah, love so, it. A so sea, sh- sea shanty TikTok is my favorite. I love there it so go. much. So here you go. 
All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. All right, everybody. Don't forget, stay tuned. We have the very special news about Jan Simpson's new podcast coming up next. Hey, Patreon subscribers, it's Jan Simpson here. I've missed going to the theater, and I've missed sharing conversations about it with you all. So I'm really excited to be able to introduce you to my new podcast, All the Drama, which will focus on the over 100 plays and musicals that have won America's highest theatrical honor, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. We'd originally planned to start the series when the Pulitzer Board announced this year's winner, but they decided to postpone the announcement from its usual mid-April date to June 11th. But as I said, I'm excited to share this new show, and so James and I have decided that the first two episodes will be released early to you, our most devoted supporters. The first will drop in your feed this week. I hope you enjoy it.